0: Drew. This is a very um, important episode. Oh, yeah? Because. Why is that? For weeks, you've been like, no, the stands. (laughs) And now, you got the old stands that you liked. For our audible listeners, we finally
1: got the right microphone stands. This is after last week that I offered the process of how to fix it. This is not Drew doing a good job. This is Ben saying, take that stand, put it over there, take these (laughs) off, put them in this bag. Next week, grab two boom stands. And we did it.
0: Yep. Good stuff. So,
1: yeah, dude, just live in the dream.
0: Yep. We had lunch today.
1: We had great lunch today.
0: Uh, we had gyros. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that is... I'm not sure if that's where you wanted to go today. Yeah, you can do no, whatever no, you want.
1: Uh, no, uh, that, I was thinking the same way. Okay. I think a good poll. You know, I, um, I have the blessed opportunity to do a lot of work in Eastern Europe, and uh, there is a place... Nearby us in, um, in Clear in the United States, uh, in a small little town called Columbiana, has amazing Euros. And um, nobody
0: alive. in there is European. No, not
1: at all. Not at all. Um, but, you know, Euros or.
0: Gyros.
1: <laughs> Most country way to say it. Gyros. They're uh, spelled G Y R O. And. Um, yeah, and to, to buy them in Colombiana, you know, you know that most people that walk in there say Giro.
0: Yeah, with a, a G. With a hard
1: G on it. Yeah. Um, and so when you go to order the counter, you know, like, do I give them the real name or do I go by what they hear often? Mm.
0: You know? Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> because they're not from No, they're not. They're
1: not They're not <laughs> European or Eastern European. I don't even know if the a pee-in, you know what I mean? Like Drew saw somebody peeing today. We did see someone peeing
0: today. That we maybe shouldn't talk about that, no, I guess. But the
1: dude was openly urinating on the
0: side of the road. Yeah, good for him. Yep. Yep. And honestly, I, I just thought it was funny because like <laughs> I I just I saw time him. out I
1: just love that we were talking about Europeans. And we transitioned to the childish joke of European. European, and, yeah. And we're actually talking about someone we saw peeing today.
0: That's fun. We need to cut all this. I love it. We're already in hot water. We need to... We're not in hot water, Drew. <laughs> Drew's trying to boil the water. <laughs> <laughs> Drew. Anyways, so I saw someone peeing today. Yep. And I saw him from across the way. <laughs> yeah, and I said... You weren't up close. No, no, I said, is that guy peeing? And then we got up there. Sure enough. We were, we were in the car around in the enough. corner. And we were like, I said it as a joke. Like, it was like, from this far away, it looks like he might be peeing. Right, his back. But there's was, no way he's actually peeing.
1: Right, because he was with other
0: people. Yeah. And then we got, we rounded the corner and we were like, oh, that dude is actually peeing right yeah. now. And, and then I said, yeah, that's, he can't do that. And Drew said,
1: yeah, that's against the law, right? That's public, public ur- urination. Public urination. <laughs> Public urination is not a law. True.
0: And I quickly corrected.
1: Yes. He quickly said, no, oh, it's public indecency. And, and I said, yes, you're allowed to publicly urinate all you want <laughs> as long as you keep your pants up.
0: <laughs> Welcome back right on pitch to continue conversations. I am Drew Mercer. Mm-hmm. He is Pastor Ben Nelson. Right, Reverend. We are back, episode 29. Ooh,
1: baby, we got to hit
0: it. We were a little bit behind, caught up. We lied last
1: time, though. Last time what we lied. What did we say? By the time this one comes out, the other one will be out. Which is correct, though. I'm pretty sure they came out of this. <laughs> same
0: but there time. were a, f- a couple minutes You see, there. there's
1: minutes? Yeah. Because my phone notified me. Two new episodes. Oh, did it really? Yeah.
0: Uh, so, I was hope because I did think about that, and I thought, well, I mean, we might win on a technicality, because I'm uploading 27, and it's then like when you 28. It's kind of
1: like when you have a twin, but one's older than the other.
0: Yeah, you're like, I am older. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like... Okay, nerd. Not really, but, you know.
1: Oh, gold, gold, gold.
0: Yeah, man. Um, but we're here. We, you just finished up a sermon series. We did. We finished up a sermon series called The Patterns of Jesus. It was really good.
1: Uh, enjoyed it. Um, if you want to go back and watch those, you can't watch them all because we had some technical difficulties on cameras. We have two of them up, but we do have them all up on the podcast, correct? Yep. Other podcast called Continued.
0: Nope. It's called Sunday it's called Service. Sunday
1: Services from Collectivist Church um great great series i enjoyed it talking about different patterns of jesus and we did this last one which was the prayer uh, the um, pattern of prayer and fasting and it was in perfect timing as we come into um lent into yeah. ash wednesday and into a time of fasting and so we talked about um the root of fasting. Um, and praying, the desire is to determine and assess what rules your life and how to shape that rule by submitting areas of your life to God and removing the rule of your flesh in this world. Um, and I thought it was a great day. Yeah.
0: Um, so it was good. It was a great day. And we normally have four questions. Oh, no. Today, we have three. So good news for all you college
1: students so, that are having to do reports on our uh, theological podcast you only got three questions this week. Do you think that's happening? What? You don't think that there's colleges that
0: are assigning our podcast for theological stuff? No shot. No shot? No chance. Don't I don't yet? think we'll ever hit that lane. Oh, either. bro. I think we miss it with some of these intros. I think they were like, oh, maybe this
1: isn't. <laughs> Pretty sure it's when you title them things like Ben Kills Drew that we lose them.
0: Yeah, that also doesn't help, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Or All Dogs Go to Heaven? Oh, yeah. I'm that was a good one. Oh, Anyways... Man. That was last week. So we have three questions. So, as always, our content is dependent on you. Yes, it is. So, remember when you're asking questions, mm-hmm. even if you think it's a silly question, it's probably answering a question somebody else has. Correct. As well. Yep. And so, let's hop in. How's that sound? Sounds good. Let's so do it. So these are all questions from the prayer and fasting sermon
1: that people texted message. in. Yeah. So,
0: <clears throat> to open us up, let's do it. You mentioned. That, quote, what has your heart will rule your life. Right. How can we assess what's in our hearts and then realign our hearts' affections toward God? It's a great question. And on this Valentine's Day. Oh, it is Valentine's yeah. Day. And as Brandon
1: Lake took a song that was about Jesus and made it about his wife. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's right, right? Right. So what does it mean for something to have your heart? Because I, this morning, wrote a note to my wife as I left her a Valentine's that I love her, right? I tell my kids, I love you with all my heart. So what does that mean when it comes to things of God? It means that I am a liar, is what it means. (laughs) I do not love my children with all of my heart. I love them with all of my earthly ability, but they are not in the place of what has my heart. And that's what we need to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of pastors, including myself in the past, would love to give us like an order of how your life should be ordered, right? Like God's first, mm-hmm. spouse's second, kid's third, like relationships, family, blah, 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 covenant relationships, all this stuff. And I really came to the realization, I mean, within the last few years and taught it this week that we could give that order, but the truth is if we can get it right at the top, then the rest will fall into order, right? Because if everything else is out of if the top's in order, then everything below it can't be out of order because God's a God of order. And so we want God to have our heart. And what we mean with that is that God is what guides, leads, corrects, and is um, and is the authoritative figure over your life, that it's not your body, it's not your emotions, and it's not others. And so all that being said, uh, we've talked about it before, but like, One way to assess what has your heart is what do you feel as though you're enslaved to? Now, let me pause. I'm not saying to be enslaved to God either. But I'm saying in our flesh, often something rules us and we can't break it. So like if if our body is stopping us from doing something or being able to— not do something or if our soul our emotions our connections like same thing then that's a good assess now when it comes to people it's an easy answer for me it's often what do people often fail you and if so they're probably put in the wrong place Mm. it's i'm doubtful that you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of people who are bad people you might have but if your spouse continually fails you there probably needs to be some conversations probably some healthy relationships there's probably some growing on both sides but there's also a good chance you've put them in a place where they can't fulfill because your spouse can be a good spouse and a bad god
0: Mm, does that make sense
1: same with kids right like i love my kids with all my heart somewhat and they can be great kids and be a bad god right and so when we look at relationships and they are just repeatedly failing our expectations of them it either comes down to some unexpressed expectations and that's just a healthy relationship thing you need to work on. But often it'll come that you've put them in a place that is not their role. And God is the only one who can fill that role of King, Lord, ruler of all. And that's what fasting and praying is about. all about. Fasting is about withdrawing from the things that are currently leading your life. And prayer is about connecting to God and the rule of him over your life. So how do we assess those things? Again, by what is, what is your life- being ruled by, I said enslaved to, that might've been a bad phrasing mm. earlier, but what is it being ruled by? What's guiding it? Is your emotions guiding your life, right? Is your body guiding your life or others guiding your life? And so just evaluating that and then how do we recalibrate it? I think prayer and fasting is a great mm-hmm. answer, right? Like to fast the things that are currently ruling your life, put them in their proper place and to connect to God through prayer and through submission. Yeah.
0: Uh, you hinted at it. A- a little bit. I'm going to piggyback if that's okay. okay. Yeah, that's great. Um,
1: construction noise in the background. There is
0: construction noise in the background. I think it. it'll be okay. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Um, you hinted at a little bit talking about emotions. You have a phrase that you've said a couple yeah. times, which I am a big fan of. Yeah. That emotions are an okay gauge and a horrible guide. Correct. Would you say that sort of finding out the things that rule your heart is a using that gauge? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's so... It's, have you, control over my yeah,
1: heart. You are so. a triune being. So you mm-hmm. are body, soul, and spirit. When we say body, we mean your physical body, your soul meaning things like your emotions, and it's what connects us with others. Your body connects you to you. Your body's a good thing. Your your body tells you, oh, I have pain. Your body Mm -hmm. like, is tactile. It is. Your body connects you to you. Your soul connects you to others. Your spirit connects you to God. And all three of those things try to rule your life at times. And there's only one order, and that's for your spirit to rule your life. When your soul rules your life, you're exactly right, your emotions become your guide, and your emotions are God-given Thing. They're a great thing. Um, they're and they're an okay gauge, um, but they're a horrible guide. They should not guide your life. Your body, again, not a bad thing. Your body's not a bad thing, but when it rules your life, when it is your guide, then then it is a horrible thing. But your mm-hmm. spirit place is to be your guide. That's why we have the Spirit. That's why he is the helper. That's why he is our guide, right? Our connection to God should be our guide. It's, it's almost when we go back, we went we said something a while back about that when you quit viewing things, you know, stop having just a world view Instead, we view the world through Jesus, and we mm. talked about that a little bit. Like, how do we change how we see things? And that happens by positioning yourself in the place of like the kingdom of God, and not the world in our flesh, and kind of those two worlds that we choose from: your body and your soul, and people in general, or God. So, yeah, yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Let's move on, shall we? Shall we? Let's. Shall question two. You have to do some. You have to do some backtracking on this. Okay. One. So I'm just going to read it and then you can kind of take it. Sounds Sound good. As per usual. Per usual. <laughs> the gym analogy was so good. That's J Y M. Not J E M. That's not uh, yeah, that G is spelled with, yeah, with a J. With, oh no. That's sp- G Y M. Sorry. Yeah, not you J. Said
1: J. You did. But the G okay. the,
0: the G is a soft G, it's a J, it's not a hard G. It's okay. Um,
1: kind of like jire, right, right? Right. Yeah, right, right.
0: kind of like <laughs> Gyro, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, Gosh. the gym was a great uh, yeah. analogy. The gym analogy was so good. Can yeah. you explain more of what a workout, quote, workout, would be in a church home? Yeah, so the gym analogy, it's cheesy a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you've heard it before, the idea
1: but somebody goes to the gym, new gym, new year, they got the gym closed, they go there, they know all the trainers, and they go to a friend and they say, hey, I'm going think I'm going to change gyms. It's just not really changing out, you know, me, I still look the same. I still weigh the same. I still feel the same. And instead of leaving the gym, the friend says, well, tell me what's your routine look like? I was like, well, I wear the right clothes. I show up on time. I know everybody there. I've got the personal trainer's number. Um, I, I see everybody working so hard. And then they ask the question, well, but did you work out? And I'm like, well, no, I mean, I showed up on time. I know people, I wore the outfit, but I never got changed by watching other people work out. And so that analogy is just a pretty cheesy but pretty spot on at the same time church analogy of like how many of us show up even on time, maybe a little bit late, <laughs> uh, wearing, you know, the, the culture of that space is closed. You know, at Collectivist, you've got good sneakers on and you're, you know, you look cool, whatever. But, you know, you're wearing the right outfit. Yeah, eh, ish. You're wearing the maybe right outfit. Me. Yeah, maybe not some. Uh, I'll tell you about, I have a story later. I was talking to somebody about our uh appearance and they said I told them how I was worried about um collectivists being like the cool church and they very humbled me and said, No, 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 no. no. You're not <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> I said, You're one of the most authentic churches, not like that. Anyway, it was it was compliment. But you have the right clothes on It's kinda of backhanded. It, yeah, yeah. But uh no they weren't being they really weren't. <laughs> but uh like give the right clothes on if you're, you know, in a high church, you know, mm-hmm. your Sunday best, whatever. And then you watch other people work. That's what most of us do on Sundays. Most mm. of us come to church and watch other people do ministry. Mm. We watch someone else preach. We watch someone else sing. We watch someone else teach our kids. We watch someone else make us coffee. We watch someone else. And I love the idea of serving people, but they're, it, you can't be frustrated if you come long enough and go, I think I'm going to change churches. I'm just not being, I'm just not growing here. Well, of course you're not. You're not doing the routine. Mm. And so they're asking the question of like, well, what is that routine? Um, I, I think the first one, if you're a consumer that comes in and hears the word, that's okay faith comes by hearing you can hear the word first let's start by applying what we hear like before you even jump on a team like before before you do any of the things i'm going to talk about like instead of saying that was a good message because it was presented well or it opened my eyes to some things like apply it mm. And that's what we say, like a collectivist, our messages are pretty simple, but they're not easy. And you wouldn't know if they were, the difference in simple and easy until you try to apply it. Mm. Like try to do it. Like when people tell me at the end of the sermon, oh man, that was such a great sermon. I often will say, you don't know yet. (laughs) Like come back next week after you've done what we've talked about and tell me if it was right. Tell me if it changed things. Tell me if it reshaped that area of your life or your faith or your relationships or whatever. And so I would say the first way routine that we need to be reestablishing that maybe we're missing is just simply applying what you hear. Um, The second would be to serve through the local community and we do that in three ways time, talents and treasure. so like get plugged in be committed make Sunday not an afterthought but a priority make missional communities a priority make all uh, serving your community a priority make missions a priority like give your time give your talents I think you should be on a team I think you should be um, growing uh, in your faith and helping lead others through the local church I believe in that with all my heart and then your talents I mean your uh, treasure your financial like give Give, like, like see what happens when you entrust God with your finances as well. So a collectivist, it would be apply the words you're hearing, embody the culture of who collectivist is, give of your time, talents, and treasures, which we call a partnership, which some churches would call a membership. And I think you will watch your life be radically changed. I think if you... Give a season to a gym and do their routine fully. You'll see your life change. And I think if you would give a church, or if you go to Collectivist, Collectivist, like a full season in your life, say, hey, I'm going to give you a year. And I'm going to do everything you say. And you come back at the end of that year and you don't see any mm-hmm. changes, I'll help you find a better church. 100%. I'll help you find one.
0: Yeah. That's good. All right. Last one. <clears throat> Let's do it. Here we go. Thank you. Oh, You're welcome. No problem. All right. All right. Have a good day. That's the episode. No, okay. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder of why things tend to get tough when we are walking on God's path. Do you have any advice for how to stay on the path when facing adversity?
1: Yeah, so we gave our results. So we asked four questions always. What's God want me to know? Why does he want me to know? What's he want me to do? And What will be the results? And this week's results started with basically that you will feel the pressure of a defeated enemy, that you will... Though Satan is a defeated enemy, that we know that God holds the victory. He still seems to press into our life when we are pursuing God. And so our two results was that God draws near to us, like we have a faithful God, but we do have a defeated enemy that will put pressure on our lives. And so um, the the thank you was that we acknowledge that, that when you take steps in your faith, I can't tell you, man, how many people we've baptized at collectivists that then disappear for like months mm. afterwards, like every time. Mm. And like when they finally come back around, if they come finally come back around, it is, man, like, we just had an unimaginable amount of negative things happening within our life, within our marriage, within our relationships, within our finances, within our jobs. Like, and all of this, not trying to be the guy who finds a demon under every rug, right. but, like, these are spiritual attacks. You have decided to take a step in your faith, and if I'm a defeated enemy, I am—and I can't win the war, I'm going to fight the battles, right? And so— um, Acknowledging that, man, I told, I said, I wear, I wear it like a badge of honor. Whenever I feel as though the enemy is pressing in, because that means that I am drawing near to God. Now, what that doesn't mean is when everything goes bad in your life or you make poor choices and have consequences that we blame it on Satan and say it's <laughs> because God, you know, we're drawing close to God. That's not what this means. But if you see yourself taking strategic steps in your faith and feel adversity coming towards you then you can wear that like a badge of honor. And then the answer of how do we handle this in our faith I talk about adversity a lot, Drew will tell you, I believe that you handle it correctly and head on, especially when it comes to conflict, especially when it comes to people, because I believe that adversity handled correctly can be a springboard to opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think about people like David and every time David handled adversity, God continually was faithful on his end. Like you wouldn't know the name David if he didn't fight somebody named Goliath, Mm -hmm. right? He would still be a shepherd, right? But he didn't run away from adversity he handled it and that's all satan's tactic is when he puts adversity our way is it's a means of fear to paralyze you in your faith and so what you need to do is keep pressing forward keep your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith run the race with endurance know that he is faithful and your circumstances aren't what define you like your faithful god and who he calls you is what defines you and listen you're going to come out on the other side Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit in this upcoming series called Into the Wilderness about how there is an end to the season
0: you're in um, as Mm. well. Yeah, good stuff. That has been... The Patterns of Jesus. The Patterns of Jesus. It a it's great a wrap. Series. It was a great series. And now we're pressing forward into the Lenten series that you just sneak peeked.
1: Yep, into the wilderness. Starting Sunday, we'll look at Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. We'll take um, one verse pretty much at a time, a couple verses at a time, and then go to a larger passage that demonstrates that things like this week— um, you know, is that he was led by the Spirit into mm. the wilderness. And so we're going to look over what it means to be led by the Spirit and how that doesn't mean it won't be into the wilderness. Mm. And right, but where, but wherever the Spirit goes, that's where we want to go because wherever the Spirit leads you, he'll also sustain you. He'll mm. also deliver you.
0: It's going to be a good day. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, exciting we're gonna stuff. We're going to look at
1: Moses a little bit this week. It's going to be good. Ooh, that'll Ooh. be fun.
0: Yeah. We will see you there on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Bye.